So, following Jesus to the cross, working our way through Mark 14 and 15, focused on what Jesus is doing and saying, because we want a clear vision of him. But he also has given us an example of what we can do with the situations in our lives that we run into. And today we're going to talk about, as I mentioned before, betrayal. So, betrayal is a violation of trust. Now, betrayal is not frustration. I mean, if you get you call up customer service and you're on hold for half an hour, that's frustrating. That's not betrayal. Uh, we often experience disappointment. You got a family trip planned, somebody gets COVID, you can't go. Disappoint, not betrayal. Betrayal is a violation of trust. Somebody you put trust in, family member, a spouse, a child, a coworker, a sibling, a longtime friend, someone you trusted, they violate the trust. They turn on you. They abandon you. Uh, you put your trust in them and they broke it. That's betrayal. And there are few experiences in life that are more intense. So in Jesus' story today, we watch Peter's betrayal of Jesus unfold. We watch how Jesus reacts to Peter. And we discover the good news of how Jesus handles our betrayals. And we learn from Jesus' example how we can handle the betrayals of life that we experience. The story begins... Uh, as Peter fails the test. Uh, Jesus is inside the high priest's home, and he's on trial before the Jewish high council. The story starts this way. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. So he's trying to be loyal to Jesus, but he doesn't want to get arrested. He's got torn between loyalty and safety. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you are one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. Now, every once in a while, we'll see someone and we go, oh, I know I should know that person. We rack our brains and we, we keep looking at them. We turn back to, oh, who is it? And they go, oh, I know who it is. I know who they are. This is what Peter's hoping to avoid. He's outside in the courtyard. It's night. The only light is from the warming fire. No one should be able to identify him. But this servant girl keeps looking at Peter, keeps looking at him, and finally it comes to her, you are one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. Well, what's Peter going to do? What's he going to say? Peter's a lead disciple. Jesus has entrusted him with that role. The other disciples know that. They pay attention to Peter. He's a natural leader. And Jesus has placed his trust in Peter because when Jesus asked all the disciples, who do you say I am? Peter's the only one who said, you're the Messiah, the one from God who saves. So Peter knows. He knows the truth. Jesus has placed trust in Peter. So this is Peter's time to show Jesus that he's worth trusting. He's going to pass the trust test. That's the goal. But Peter doesn't. He fails. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway, further into the shadows. Just then a rooster crowed. Peter fails the trust test, and he begins his betrayal of Jesus with kind of an easy out, soft betrayal. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't really deny Jesus yet, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he walks away, and he figures he gets into the shadows, and that, that will leave that curious servant girl behind, and she'll forget about him. It doesn't work. Peter's betrayal deepens. When the servant girl saw him standing there, 
she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. This kid couldn't take a hint. She's got spunk. She knows she's right. So since Peter won't admit it, she starts telling other people, he's definitely one of them. Another test for Peter. It's more serious. It's not just a servant girl. Now it's a number of other people, a number of adults. And now Peter denies Jesus to a group of people. Betrayal always starts small. That's for all of us. A small lie leads to a bigger lie. One drink can lead to more drinks. A lingering conversation can be the beginning of an affair. A quick slap of a family member can turn into a hit. A small financial misstep can lead, end up in embezzlement. First you break a little trust, and before we know it, it becomes easier to break a lot of trust. Uh, and this time Peter didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about. This time Peter denied knowing Jesus. His betrayal deepens. And then Peter hit bottoms. He becomes a bottom. He becomes a traitor. A little while later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Now everybody's in the courtyard is talking about Peter. They know Peter is a Galilean because of his Galilean accent. Peter can't hide it. They know Jesus is a Galilean inside being tried. Why else would a Galilean be waiting in the high priest's courtyard if it wasn't for the Galilean inside? So now Peter isn't dealing just with the servant girl or a few adults. He's confronted by a lot of the people. And this is his chance, his third chance, to live up to the trust Jesus has placed in him. But no, Peter becomes a traitor. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this, this man you're talking about. Now, when we talk about swearing and cursing, we're thinking about certain words that people use. Uh, swearing and cursing in the New Testament is much more serious. Peter swears a curse on himself. He says, if I'm lying, may my life be destroyed. And he knows he is. He's become a complete traitor. Three chances to affirm his loyalty to Jesus, and three times he betrays Jesus. All of the trust, broken. And then Peter wakes up. Suddenly, Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter broke down and wept. Because there's nothing worse for a betrayer than realizing what they've done. I broke trust. I abandoned the person who depended on me. I failed. And Peter wakes up to this nightmare that he's created. So what's Jesus teaching us? Well, don't be surprised by betrayal. Jesus wasn't. When we place our trust in people, sometimes it will be broken. Jesus wasn't surprised that Peter betrayed him. In fact, Jesus told Peter a few hours earlier, you will betray me. Peter said, no, not me. Yes, Peter, you. And sometimes, like Peter, we don't intend to betray people in our lives, but sometimes we do. So here's the truth. In this earthly life, betrayal happens. Happened to Jesus, it happens to us. And it may sound strange, but Jesus does us a great favor of letting us know that betrayal is a part of the, our human life experience in earthly life following him. Not that we want it, not that we ask for it, not that we go looking for it, but as we follow Jesus through this life in this broken world of ours, we're going to experience betrayal. 
It's already happened to you. It's already happened to me. It will in the future also. Then we have the same choice Jesus had. Betrayal either leads us to anger, an anger that we just hold on to and it goes deep, or betrayal can lead us to God. It does one of the other. Now, our initial reaction to betrayal is always anger. That just happens right away. They broke the promise. They went back on their word. They turned on me. They violated the trust I put on them. They're just, they're just an anger reaction toward betrayal. But once that reaction happens, then where do we go from there? If we hang on to the anger, it simmers and boils down to this nasty mixture of revenge where we start wishing betrayal on the person who betrayed us. We wish bad things to happen to them. And our anger actually keeps us trapped in that past event of betrayal. So while everybody else is moving on with their life, we're just stuck back there because we're still mad about it. That's what anger does if we stay there. Jesus had a different reaction. Peter's betrayal actually reinforced his relationship with God the Father. Jesus knew he came to save people. Jesus knew that his sacrificial death would bring forgiveness for betrayers like Peter. So while Jesus didn't brush over Peter's betrayal and say it was nothing, Jesus will offer Peter forgiveness and he'll reinstate him as a lead disciple. So whether betrayal leads us to anger that that we just get stuck in it or whether it leads us to God depends on a large extent on our identity frame. And we talked about this last Sunday. A God-centered identity frame will deflate the impact of betrayal. It's still there, it still hurts, but it deflates the impact. Jesus' identity frame, if it had been, if Jesus' identity had been, i got to train the one disciple to take over when I leave, that's what my whole life is about, and Peter betrays Jesus, Jesus would have been crushed. But Peter's just part of what Jesus is doing. Jesus' identity is, he's a dearly loved son of the Father. He brings his Father great joy. That's who Jesus is. So the betrayal impacts him, but it doesn't devastate him. Because Peter isn't the center of Jesus' life. Jesus is. The Father is, excuse me. So Jesus stays on track with his mission because he knows who he is. So that's a very powerful gift that Jesus gives to us about how this God-centered identity frame can help us, help us deflate betrayal when it happens to us. It works out kind of like this. Let's just say my identity frame is I am successful at work. That's the frame of my identity. And everything, I put all the pieces inside that identity. I am successful at work. And then I'm betrayed at work. And I lose my job or I lose my business and I lose a lot of money and all of a sudden my frame crumbles because that's who I thought I was. That betrayal is going to be really hard to recover from. But if my identity frame is through trusting Jesus, I am a dearly loved son of of the Father and I bring him great joy and then I'm betrayed at work, well, it's hard. But work isn't the center of who I am. The center of who I am is I'm one of God's dearly loved kids. I bring him joy. He's going to get me through this. It can happen with family and marriage too. If our identity frame is, and we easily slip into this, I certainly have certain times in my life. If our identity frame is marriage and family, and all that's our, our identity, we put everything in, in, in the middle of marriage and family, and someone in our, in our family betrays us, wow. It's really hard. But if our identity frame is, I'm a child, dearly loved child of the Father, I bring him joy, and a family member betrays me, it's hard. 
but family actually isn't the center of my life. God the Father is, and he's going to get me through. Now, this is somewhat of an overstatement. I have to be careful with this, but I thought, let's say it anyway. Betrayal destroys a life only if that life has the wrong identity frame. Because if our identity frame is that we are a loved child of God the Father through trusting in Jesus and we bring the Father great joy, and betrayal comes our way, it will hurt and recovery will take time, but it will not destroy us because we are loved by the Father. We bring Him great joy. That's who we are. So, Jesus had this God-centered identity frame, and this is what it enabled him to do. Jesus deflates Peter's betrayal with grace and forgiveness, and deflates has a double meaning. In other words, Peter's betrayal did not crush Jesus. I mean, he felt it, wasn't pleasant, but didn't destroy him. And also, uh, it deflated Peter's impact upon himself of being the betrayer. So instead of being angry at Peter and wanting revenge at Peter, Jesus will forgive him, and reinstate him as a lead disciple. Amazing. This is where the New Testament word grace comes in. It means God's undeserved kindness. Undeserved. And this is hard for us because we live in the upper Midwest off of what I call deserved kindness. I'm a good neighbor to you, so you'll be a good neighbor to me. We both know how this works. I'll help you out when you put shingles on your house because five years from now I'm going to re-shingle my roof and I'll ask you and you'll help me because I helped you. That's deserved kindness. God's grace in Jesus is undeserved. Peter, the betrayer, doesn't deserve forgiveness, and he doesn't deserve a new start. But because God is God of grace, undeserved kindness, Jesus gives Peter both, complete forgiveness and a new start. And if Jesus did that for Peter, guess what? That's how he meets your betrayal with forgiveness and grace. And my betrayal, forgiveness and grace. Because the story isn't about Jesus and Peter anymore. It's about Jesus and you, about Jesus and me. We've betrayed Jesus. We all have. Sin in the Bible isn't just doing something wrong. Sin in the Bible is God's given us a gift of our life. He says, this is my design for your life. Live life this way. It'll be a good life. And we betray our creator and go, no, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I know better. We betray our creator. Fortunately, God does not meet this betrayal with anger and plans to get revenge on us. He does the opposite. He sends his son to meet our betrayal with his sacrificial death to enable forgiveness. Grace. What a relief. And that gives us hope. So in Christ, we're God's dearly loved kids. We bring the Father joy. So instead of seeking revenge, God says, I got to get my kids back. I will send my son to bring them home again. It's amazing. So the next steps today, there's two of them. They're both, neither are small steps. Very important. Receive God's forgiveness for your betrayals. It's a lot easier, we'll get to this, to think of all the times other people have betrayed us. We we remember those things. But there are times in your life, my life, when we have betrayed others, usually not knowing what we're doing. And sometimes we betrayed God. And it's really helpful so you don't have to live with any shame or any guilt or any embarrassment to bring those things back up and say, God, here it is. I did this. I betrayed you. 
I ask for your forgiveness and then receive it. Receive it so you can move on. And you can be done with that. And that'll take some time and thinking on your part. The other one is uh, one word, uh, powerful, challenging. Forgive. Paul writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as long as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive the people who betrayed you. Forgive. I was in my mid-30s before I met my Uncle Harold. Didn't know he existed. Every decades before, not decades, before I was born, Harold and his dad had a falling out, I think, as far as I can figure out, over the use of some farm equipment. And one or both felt betrayed. And from that incident, before I was born, uh, Harold ceased to be a part of family events and functions. He just wasn't around. So for the first 30-some years of my life, whenever we'd travel back to Nebraska, where all the extended family lived except us, and the family got together, Harold and his wife were never there. I didn't know he existed. Never heard his name. And then one year, my mid-30s, my mom calls me up and we're talking and she said, could you pray for me? Because I'm going to talk to my older brother, Harold, and I want to say, who's that? I want you to pray for me because I'm going to call my older brother, Harold, because he had a falling out with mom and dad many, many years ago and they haven't talked and our mother's in her mid-90s and I'm going to call Harold and ask him to talk to his mother and work things out. So, I prayed. My mom made the phone call. Harold listened. And he responded. And he, he, he went and talked to his mother. And whatever that betrayal was back there, decades prior, and all the anger and the distance, they, they forgave each other. And Harold was back in the family. So we were living in northern Minnesota at the time, up in Cloquet by Duluth. And I got a phone call. Uh, from a man who said, hi, I'm your Uncle Harold. I went, oh, first time I heard his voice. He said, my wife and I are traveling up in northern Minnesota, and we're wondering if we could stop in and visit you. I said, sure, that'd be great. So in my mid-30s, for my first time, married with two kids, I met my Uncle Harold and his wife. And they were great people. They were a lot of fun. And I remember afterwards, after they left, I remember thinking, wow. I wish this would have happened 30 years ago. I missed out on a lot. See, we forgive. You don't forgive because the other person deserves it. No one deserves to be forgiven. You don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Forgiveness isn't about deserving it. Forgiveness is because we need it. We forgive because God in Christ has forgiven us. And then we pass that forgiveness on. And sometimes that can bring a restoration of a relationship or a friendship. But the biggest thing forgiveness does is it sets us free from anger. The primary uh, Greek word in the New Testament translated as forgiveness is let go. The little word, luo, just let go. That's forgiveness. Let go of the anger. Jesus isn't angry with us. He forgives. We don't have to be angry with each other. We forgive. Now, 
we were talking about the, the message today on Thursday afternoon with staff to kind of talk through stuff, and, and I realized I needed to add this part. A little explanation about how we relate to people who have betrayed us. You have to start by forgiving them. You have to. Sooner or later. It's what Jesus did for you, and he commands that we love our enemies. So you're going to have to forgive at some point, just so you know that. Because without forgiveness, you just stay angry. And if you stay angry, it doesn't hurt the person who betrayed you, but it hurts you. And Jesus wants you free. So set yourself free. Forgive. Now, sometimes when you forgive a person who's betrayed you, if they can humbly listen to the story of what's happened, how it affected you, and they ask for forgiveness, and they say, I'm sorry, and they change your behavior, then sometimes forgiveness can result in reconciliation and restoration. However, if you are not safe around the person who has betrayed you, I mean, you just sense, I'm not safe around this person, the time for reconciliation hasn't come yet. Still forgive, so you get free from anger, but the time for re reconciliation has not come yet. You just need to stay away. Forgive, leave anger behind, but stay safe so you can keep serving Jesus with your life. This calls for a lot of discernment. A lot of discernment. Uh, and if you need to talk to somebody, probably you have to talk to a trusted friend about this or talk to somebody on staff, but um, uh, forgive. It sets you free. Uh, this prayer today, I had another one written, but after I talked through the sermon on Thursday, changed it to this one. This is a prayer specifically for those of us, and this is probably many of us, who have experienced deep betrayal who need to forgive somebody. Here's the prayer. True God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as you, know, I have been, as you know, I have been betrayed. It hurt. I became and stayed angry. I want to leave anger behind and follow your example of forgiving. You forgave me, so I forgive, and then you say that person's name out loud. Set me free from the past so I can live as one of your dearly loved kids. This is the way this works. Uh, if you've been deeply betrayed and haven't quite faced it and dealt with it yet, the first time you pray this to God and put that person's name in there, it will not feel comfortable and you won't even like it. That's fine. Say it to God the next day. You have to pray, you have to get used to the idea of forgiving. Remembering that you have been forgiven first. It takes time. It is worth the effort to be free from anger and experience God's forgiveness. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, thank you that uh, when Peter betrayed you, you did not uh, throw him out, kick him out, get revenge, or stay angry. You forgave, you actually reinstated him. So, Lord, for those of us who have been betrayed significantly in our lives in the past, and if we're still trapped in anger, we ask that your Holy Spirit enable us to forgive so we can be free. We ask this in the name of Jesus who is teaching us how to live. And all God's people say, Amen.